Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases. The content may be triggering or inappropriate for some audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Amber. And this week, I am going to kick it old school for us, Amber. I love old timey. I stumbled across this case that I'm bringing you today accidentally led into the next, the case that we're going to release next episode. So sorry if you don't like old timey cases, you know, the next couple of episodes are not for you, but hopefully you listen to them anyway because they are juicy. Oh, I can't wait. Some shit went down. Old timey cases are really juicy. I really like it too because I feel like not everybody covers old timey cases, so it's something new for people. I feel like you could get away with a lot more back then, so you, like the sky was the limit. Oh, this case I'm bringing you today is a prime example of how much you could get away with and how people took advantage of it. You could poison people for years. Years. All your husbands. Before you got caught. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if you're a woman. They just were seen. We were seen as so docile and dainty and dim-witted. Yes. That we couldn't possibly conspire for murder. Murder. But we did. And that's actually (laughs) what I'm bringing you today. I mean, what do you expect? Women had to wear corsets and... Holder, yeah, we were fucking miserable, and yeah, we weren't allowed to breathe, and we weren't allowed to be over ninety eight pounds. Right, I would have so, felt yeah. stabby too. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Try me, bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't eaten in days. Give me a reason. Exactly. All right, I'm gonna take you to the day of April twenty third, nineteen oh eight. Oh, a Mister Patrick Brennan. He was headed home. He worked in a mill as many did in 1908. Obviously, mill work is hard work. True story, in the winter, my dad actually still works at a mill. Wow. They still exist, people. Yeah, he's tired and sore and ready to be home by the time he gets home, for sure. I bet. Now, when he reached the front door of his house, he went to grab for his spare key, and it wasn't there. This wasn't completely unusual because Patrick had a wife named Sarah, Sarah Brennan, which is... If you clicked on this episode, the title of the episode, Patrick and Sarah had been fighting for quite some time at this point in time. So the fact that the spare key was not where it usually is was not surprising necessarily to Patrick. Okay. (laughs) All of a sudden, my my screen went blank all of a sudden. And I was like, where are the words? What happened? Oh. Oh, also, I forgot to say this in the beginning, but it's been amazing weather here in uh, Michigan. And so since we are real people doing a real podcast in our real home, uh, we are podcasting from Charnel's Screen Porch. If you hear naturistic sounds, they are real. They're real. That is not dubbed in. No, it's not like recording nature sounds. It's real. Those are my cardinals. You're hearing, yes, if you hear a motorcycle, those are my neighbors. (laughs) If you hear kids screaming, it's Stephanie's children over there. Live children. That's right. So, hey, just just know if you're a Patreon, you're supporting real families here. (laughs) Yes. So anyway, Patrick Brennan is not worried that he can't find his um, hidden key because he has a spare key in the shed out back. So he's like, listen. If Sarah had forgotten the spare key that he hid in the shed out back, I'm still going to be able to get into the house. No big deal. So he walks out back 
And Patrick notices that his neighbor, James Farmer, was watching him. Now, he's like, okay. I'm Off-putting. Gonna, I'm going to wave to him. Heidi ho, neighbor Rooney. <laughs> right. right. And what was weird is that James didn't wave back. He's still just watching him. So he's like, probably like, okay, dick. Creepy Whatever. Vibes. Yeah. I'm going to my shed to get this key. So he does. That key was also missing. Oh. So now he's like, oh, okay, okay. Sarah's really und- outdone herself. All right. So. I would have started took- getting paranoid with him staring at me and. Right. You know. Not Patrick, though. He's just completely focused on Sarah must have done this. Gotcha. Okay. So he doesn't think much of the weird neighbor staring at him. No. Nope. Not at all. Other than probably thinking he's pretty rude for not waving back. But he goes, he's like, fine, fine, fine. I'm going to knock on the door. She's going to have to answer an annoying knock. Well, he knocks. No one answers. He has went through this before. She could be a little pissy. So he's like, you know what? I'm going to get into the house one way or the other. There's a window upstairs with a broken latch, and there's no way to secure it. So Patrick returns to his shed, and he pulls out his ladder. As he does this, all of a sudden, James Farmer, the neighbor, is moseying his way over to him. As he's putting the ladder up to his house, James walking up the walkway that's just a few feet away from him. Okay, at this point, he's like, okay, this is kind of odd. Yeah. The farmers, Mr. and Mrs. Farmer next door... They're friends with Patrick and Sarah, but they lived in a rundown house like right next door. So P- Patrick is thinking, all right, Sarah probably told them that we had been arguing. He's probably coming over to see, you know, what's going on and whatnot. So the two men greet one another and James tells Patrick that Sarah, his wife, had left town to stay with relatives. James okay. the na- Yeah. James, the neighbor, knows He's more like, oh, of what's well, going on. Your wife on. left. <laughs> yeah, you can't get into the house because your wife Sarah left town to go stay with her relatives. I would have issues with this. Yes, inappropes. Yes, even for totes ni- inappropes. Even for nineteen oh eight. Okay. Yes. Now, Patrick knew that things were not good between him and Sarah, but he's like, I didn't think it was this bad. Okay, thank you, Mr. Farmer. Yeah, she logs me out of the house and leaves for her relatives and tells the freaking neighbors, but not me. So then James tells Patrick, he's like, you know, I have something to tell you, but I don't don't want to like he's being real shifty well he's not subtle with the staring and like obviously Mm -mm. had some things to say yes yep so patrick's basically basically like spit it out man wtf is going on right all right you know that's the 2022 terms but in 1908 he was probably like what thou (laughs) what thou art thou troubled yes spit it out (laughs) Mr. Farmer. So he informs, James Farmer, informs Patrick that a few months back, Sarah and his wife, Mary Farmer, had uh, worked out a deal on the sale of the house. And the deed to the home had been transferred into the farmer's names. What? And that the agreement is complete and Patrick can't do a damn thing about it. You shan't do anything about it. <gasps> what thou hell. Yes. 
path we have here. Oh my gosh. So all of a sudden it's just like, by the way, this house isn't yours yeah, now. Yeah, by the way, yeah. the reason you can't get into the house is because it's totes mine. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, so that's why he was staring yeah. at him. Because it's like, Ooh, he oh, doesn't I see know. he's home. I see he's come home for the day. Oh and it's no longer, it hasn't actually been his home for a few months, but now Sarah's gone. So thou art homeless, <laughs> Patrick. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Fuck if a thee. <laughs> <laughs> yes, exactly what Patrick said. <laughs> that is what I would have said. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Can we get that on a t-shirt as well? <laughs> Fuck out the B. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. No, that's that horrible. That is awful. Yeah. Patrick, after recovering from his shock right. of like, uh, <laughs> wow. Okay, this house isn't mine. And- yeah. So my wife not only has left me, but she's also sold our home out from under me and took all the money. And right. now I have nowhere to go. He's like... He has some questions, I'm rightfully sure. so. And he's like, hold up. You're my friend and neighbor. Why art thou taking so long to tell me this? <laughs> right. Like, why did you not tell me this sooner? And you could have told me I couldn't get in the house. Right. You let me try James. two different doors and climb this <laughs> right. motherfucking ladder. You watched me do this. Right. You asshole. <laughs> could have said it from the beginning. Yes. Oh, James is a real dick. He really yeah. is. He sucks. Oh, gosh. So, of course, he's, like, not believing it at first. He's like, what is it? What's going on? Oh, I wouldn't either. On? I'd be so shocked. So, obviously, Patrick wants to review the deed transfer. Okay. James is like, sure, go to the county office to do so, because that's where the deed is filed. That's where it's at. And then he was asked to leave the property. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. So Patrick, and by the way, could you please leave? By the way, my house vacate the premises because it's sort of mine now. Oh my god! Like, sorry to tell you all of this, but also get off my land. This has uh, the nine hundred and forty-four days gone vibes. Yeah, yeah like because she dropped that bomb, right? Yeah. Like, oh, by the way, by the way, you signed you, all these papers. You don't own this anymore. Oh my gosh! So of course, Patrick like tips tiptoes off from the property, like. a Okay, and he went. I hope he physically did tiptoe. Me too, as well. Like, in some of the doop, one doop, of the articles doop. I read said grudgingly he left. I'm like, was he kicking dirt? Because I would have kicked the oh, dirt. Yeah, yep. And he went and stayed at a local inn for the night while he was trying to figure out what the fuck to do sure, next. Sure, sure. Oh, hi, kid. Child walking by. Child. As I drop the up bomb, mother of the year, <laughs> right here. The first thing when he gets to the inn that he starts doing is writing all of Sarah's relatives who might know where she's at so he can try to clear all this up. You know, I didn't even think about this being old timey. So it's not like you could just hop on the cell and be like, what's going on? For sure. No, it's you have to write a letter. You've got to wait for the horses to deliver the mail and the train. Shall you tell me why? You know it starts with, I hope this letter finds you well, but I'm in great distress as I look for my wife, Sarah. Oh my gosh. Have thou seen her? That would be really hard. They beat around the bush forever in those letters before they get right to the point. He's not going to be like, bitch is homeless. Right. He's not just sending, what the fuck this bitch left me without a place to stay. That's not how it was said back then. I'm feeling bad for him right now. Now, over the next few days, he returned 
to his home to ask the farmers if they knew where his wife might have gone. And each time that he went back, James and Mary would give him a slightly different story each time, which made it more difficult for him not only to find his wife, but to believe what the actual hell is going on. Right. Finally, they're like, listen, 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 Patrick. Sarah said she's moving to Canada and that you're never going to see her again. So after like 20 stories, they're like, all right, after here's the, the real one. Canada. This is it. Why do we just automatically write people off to Canada? What is going on up there? It must but be it something happens, good. It happens all the time that they're like, by the way, in old she timey cases. Canada. As well. Like old timey cases, it's always like, yep, they're up in Canada. Canada. Yeah. I don't know why that is. What do they have that we don't? Because we <sighs> need some. Free healthcare. Uh, there it is. One thing. There it is. The next day, Patrick was served with an eviction notice from the farmers that required him to stay away from the home. Like, you have shown up here for the next uh, the last three days. We're tired of it. Bye-bye. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Like, you can't come here to your former house anymore. Nope. And don't ask us any more questions. We done. Yeah. You can ha- you can get a document like that? Apparently in 1908 you could, Amber. <laughs> wow. So he gets some advice from a friend and he sought out Patrick. Patrick, that is. Sorry, I left out who I'm referring to. That's okay. We forgive you. A year and a half into this, I'm still not a professional. So, yes, Patrick seeks out a lawyer in town to help him with his troubles. Great advice, whoever gave him that advice. His attorney was Floyd Carlisle. Love it. Mr. Carlisle specialized in property law. Perfect. Mm, okay. So the first thing that he did was get an accurate description of Sarah Brennan, James's, or excuse me, Patrick's wife. Okay. Because he took that description and he went down to the county records office and looked at the deed transfers of the property. Now, everything was in order. It looked like Sarah had used another attorney in town, Mr. Burns, and that they had transferred. Yes. Excellent. Excellent. Sorry, I, 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 could, I had to do it physically. I could see it on your face that it was coming. You saw the light bulb. There was no stopping you. No, nothing also, could stop me. When I was writing this, it didn't dawn on me. But the minute I said Mr. Burns and looked at you. You saw it. It clicked. Yeah. You saw like, Mr. Burns in my eyes. Mr. Burns <laughs> from The Simpsons. Yep. So they go to Mr. Burns. They had indeed transferred the deed into the farmer's name. But let me let me hit my microphone and then tell <laughs> and you then the tell rest me. of the story. Yes. Back then, when a deed was transferred... They would note down the description of the person who came in to do so. Hello, 1908. Can we go back to these days? That's how we did it. Short, chubby man walked in. Mine would be legs like a flamingo. (laughs) Mine would be busty wench. (laughs) Short, busty wench. Oh, shit. Yep. Oh, good stuff. Now, the description that came in... Was There was very little put down about Sarah, but what was written down about her did not resemble Sarah at all. Okay. I'm getting into this. Yes. So at once, Mr. Carlisle, Patrick's attorney, was like, ma, 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 ma. He goes, (laughs) 
He goes to the inn where Patrick was staying and he shows Patrick a copy of the transfer. And he's like, hey, does this description match that of your wife? And he's like, absolutely not. But you know who it does resemble? Fucking Mrs. Farmer. That's who. I'm sure that's exactly what he said. I hope it is what he said. (laughs) Fucking Mrs. Farmer. Yeah. I'm just going to assume that's what he said. So then they both started to put together some of the pieces here. Patrick and his wife had been fighting. That much is true. That This is coming from Patrick. He believes that, like, even though they fought, they were able to get through their problems and that they had been married, by the way, for 25 years. Okay. It's a long time. It's very unfortunate. No, I'm he just kidding. He also feels... <laughs> Oh, sounds like a sentence. (laughs) They did their time. Right. But he's like, listen, we had our struggles, but we were committed to each other. And like, yes, we fought a lot, but like we were the only ones that were going to fight with each other. Like we weren't going anywhere and we didn't have secrets from each other. So he had a really hard time believing. She just, especially with the way that they fought. He's kind of like, if she wanted to leave. She would have told me that, not done it in secret. Right. They didn't have the type of marriage. This wasn't, she wasn't abused. She wasn't, you know, trying to leave to get away from an abuser. Like, they openly fought with one another, and he really believed that after 25 years, she would have been very open about, hey, guess what I did? Sold the house to the farmers. Bye-bye, chum. You know, and, and left. Not done all of this in secrecy. So... The other thing is they both really loved their home and had been like stubbornly planning to stay there the rest of their lives. So it's just kind of like. For her to walk away from yeah, that. Just didn't make sense to him. No. Yeah. And furthermore, none of the stories that the farmers had told him had made any sense. So he's like, I really think now coupled with the fact that this description that the person that transferred the deed, the uh, lawyer that transferred the deed, he, you know, jotted down a description of what Mrs. Farmer looked like, right? She probably didn't even know that he would do that, that that was a part of the deed transfer process. So he's kind of like coupled with that, with this description that we have, plus their weird answers, those three days I kept returning, none of this is making any sense. And now I know they're completely hiding something, which his attorney, uh, Mr. Carlisle, believed as well. I was going to say, Mr. Carlisle seems pretty sharp. Yes, yes. I think he was he was on it because at, at this point in time, they're like, okay, now that we're putting these pieces together, we're actually scared for Sarah's life. Like yeah. in all of this, where the hell is Sarah? I was just going to say I'm piecing so many things together in my head and none of them are good. No. So this is the point in time that they involve the police. They're like, okay, this isn't like Sarah. Something is up. What is going on? And this is 1908 for you people. (laughs) Love me some 1908. They all get together, the police, the lawyers, Mr. Brennan, Patrick Brennan himself, and they all decide to meet the next day at the farmer's residence. We can't. Why do it now when you're telling us that your wife is missing? Right. No, no. We will set up a formal meeting. Yes. Let's get our effects about us. And meet at the same time tomorrow. It will be official. At the farmer's home, which was formerly Patrick Brennan's home. <laughs> right. Yes. I and love that he like just has his house no more. It's yeah. not his. 
nope, just can't get into his house, and they're just going to wait, sit on it for another night. And then no the, rush. Pol- the police were like, at that point in time, we shall conduct our search yes. of the premises and see if anything is out of place and if there is a clue to the disappearance of your wife, Sarah. So the next day, everyone does arrive at the same time. Wonderful. Believe it or not, at the home. They knock on the door. Wouldn't you know it, James and Mary Farmer, they are home. <laughs> They're moving in. Oh, Moving still, that day. still moving huh? their stuff in from their rundown house next door to the really nice oh, Brennan house. Wouldn't mm-hmm. you know it? Yep. So the police let them know. They're like, you know, we need to do a search of this this property. Each area needs to be searched. Now James did not seem to mind. He's like, sure, come on in. But Mary was struggling a little bit. She's a little shaky in her knickers, oh. if you will. Room by room, the area was searched, and. The one thing that they noticed was that all of Sarah's belongings, Amber, still in the house. Oh. Her dresses, all of her other clothing, even her luggage were all there. So either Sarah Brennan is running around naked somewhere without her luggage. She's like, forget the house, forget the clothes. I'm just I'm done. I'm done. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or... or Maybe there's something else going on here, right? Mm. If you're picking up I what don't, I'm putting down. I don't believe it for a second. It is a true crime podcast, so, <laughs> so spoiler alert. Something to brew it. Right. So, but other than that, other than the fact that all of Sarah's effects were still in her home, they couldn't find any other clues until they hear a calling from an officer that's upstairs and he needs some help. Because, you see, he found a trunk in one of the back rooms of the home. And this back room was used for storage. It was kept, it was a storage room. And what he noticed was that it's locked, but it had a odd smell. Oh, God. Here we go. Here we go. We've been here before. You know, I wonder if they're ghosts now, dead and gone, when they hear these things from our troop. Crime podcast. They're like, yeah, that was a really bad idea. Right. What were right. we thinking? Like, wow, we put her in the storage. How of did her, we think this was going to work? Of her own home. Of her own home. Right. The storage room of her own like, home. Of all the places you could put her. Because that's never wow. going to be noticed. Well, they they were moving it. They probably didn't expect this formal meeting. Right. So. That's true. That is very true. When they were asked, when they asked the farmers for the key they were like oh that old thing we lost that key a long time ago don't you know the officer's like no problem there's a shed out back i'm gonna help myself to an axe oh there we go that'll do it and i'm gonna take care of this so he returns he starts breaking into the trunk obviously as he did so as you can imagine the smell, oh, it got worse, Amber. I bet it was pretty ripe. It got worse. When they opened the trunk, unfortunately, they found the remains of Mrs. Sarah Brennan chopped up into many <gasps> oh pieces my gosh, no. and squeezed into the trunk. Ew, why? I don't Just because they wanted themselves a better house. All for the sake of a house. Stephanie, if you're listening, it's not Please, it's not worth it. It's not. Just ask. (laughs) You can have it. Don't chop me up. Actually, I don't think you'd have to chop me up to fit me in a trunk. 
No, I'm you not would gonna fit. Lie. You would fit very easily into a trunk. I would. I would. I take peace in that. Yeah, I would have to be chopped up, mm-hmm. unfortunately, but Perhaps, only because of the sheer size of your breath. <laughs> right. <laughs> The rest of me would fit fine. Yes. It's just the girls. Yep. yep. So. Make soap out of them, please. Do them I, right. Do I mean, make a nice soap. Take a page out of Leonardo's cookbook. Yeah. Listen to a former episode. You'll do know me right. Do about. me right. Do me right. Make me into soap. <laughs> I'm sure you're not surprised to hear this, but the police were like, hey, there's a body in this trunk. That of Sarah Brennan and uh, Mary and James, well, you're under arrest. Yep. So they put yep. put this together pretty quickly. Thank the Lord. I mean, it's 1908. You we know, don't know what's going to happen. It could have gone way worse. Way different. This time. They could have blamed Patrick. Yes, or we're, Everlasting we're Faint. We're moving it. Oh, right, the Everlasting Faint. Suicide. That got a lot of people. I oh, mean, yeah. Hey, remember that case I covered where she committed suicide and then put in herself the trunk, in a trunk? Yes. Yeah. I mean, it could have went way worse than this. Yeah. So I'm yeah. grateful. Grateful that they did some real detective work and yes. figured this out. Yes. Now, I will tell you that James Farmer kept quiet and refused to answer any questions from the police. He acted as if he didn't really know what happened and like he was really afraid to say what happened. But Mary, Mary had a lot to say. She immediately confessed to what happened and why she killed Sarah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Mary told the officers that they had lived next to one another for years and that over the last few months, she started coming up with a plan on how to steal her neighbor's house. Like, they're not even happily living in it together. How dare them? I'm happy with my husband and I'm living in this shack. So why not come up with a plan to make to it sound it. like since they're unhappy in their marriage, like she left and sold me the house. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So she didn't even hold back. She's like, yeah, this is no, what I this did. This is what I did. One day, she said that one day when she knew that both of both Sarah and um, Patrick Brennan were away from their home, she went into the house because she knew of the extra keys. There was one in the front and one in the shed. That's nosy neighbor spying. You know where your neighbor's keys are. I know. I know. She rummaged through the house and she found the deed to the house within minutes. nosy bitch. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I mean, they don't have the clutter. Keep your deeds. 1908 was not cluttered like it is today. Right. There was only so many places she could have looked. I dare you to go try to find the deed to my house, Amber. If someone finds my deed in my drawers, take it. It's yours. (laughs) If you want to do all that work, it's yours. Oh, I'd actually really like you to make me a copy of that because I have no idea where that is. (laughs) Yep. She then pretended to be Sarah when she went to an attorney who didn't know either of them. Didn't know Sarah. Didn't know the farmers. Because we didn't have IDs back then. No, it's 1908. And made the transfer. What's weird to me is that one person was able to go and make the transfer. Like, hey, my friend signed her house over to me. Right. She said it's fine. Why no big deal. would the friend not also have to be there? <laughs> right. Like that's They're seems- just like, oh, your friend said you could have the house. Oh, okay, cool. cool. I see a signature here. I have that's no fine. idea if it's her signature. It seems to me like even in 1908, we knew better. I would think. Think so. This is scary to me. 
Like, how many times did this happen? But it sucks to be us today where we have to go through so many hoops to get anything. So many. I have to show three different proofs of ID and my hair is a different color in every one of them, people. It's such a pain in the ass. It's not fair. It's because of this. That's right. Farmers. Because of the fucking farmers. Oh, they suck. So then she waited several months after she did the transfer. She didn't want it to be like real obvious. So she waited several months to make sure that the transfer wasn't going to be like found out or contested. And that's where she was like, okay, okay, this is good. We're still, it was like eight months or something like that, that she sat on this little nugget. Wow. After having the, the deed artificially Just watching the house, like mm-hmm. this will be mine soon. Yep. Because then she's like, wait a second. They both, both Sarah and Patrick know that they own this home and they will contest the transfer of the deed. So how am I supposed to make this happen? And that's when she came up with the plan of, if I make Sarah disappear when I know they're having issues, then James, or excuse me, Patrick will believe, and James for that matter, will believe that Sarah left him. I love how closely she knew the neighbors of like, yeah, she knew they were having issues. Yeah. How close were these two houses? Right? I mean, I'm sure you could hear things through the windows, but dang. And they were friends. Too, oh, the right? other thing is, yeah. And so that's why it wasn't like unusual for Patrick at first to that the farmers knew they were having problems because they were friends. So it's like, yeah, Sarah probably confided, you know, in in her friend with the problems that she was having and that sort of thing. Man, I wouldn't I don't think I would ever want a house the, that badly. Like Mm-mm. I love your house, but I would never like kill me for it. Thank you. No, I appreciate that. you. Have my word. Stuff me in a trunk, <laughs> right? I like, appreciate I wouldn't that. do that to you. I'm really grateful. I will put up a fight, mostly <laughs> with my words. <laughs> you will verbally win. I will, but you know, strength wise, no. I just can't imagine like loving a house that much. Yeah. To yep. do that to someone. And I don't know what kind of shambles their house was in. It was just described. Must have been really bad. It was described as being very run down. So I'm sure there was some some issues, some jealousy sure. there. And some, we're, you know, good, happy couple. And they're fighting all the time. Whatever, whatever. We deserve a better house. Yeah. yeah. Really convinced herself. So, of course, when she's like, yeah, they're fighting. Here's my plan. And she readily admitted that she went into the Brennan's home when it was just Sarah that was there hit her on the back of the head with an axe oh oh and killed her then cut her up and placed her in the trunk dang she did this all on her own yes that's what she says wow yep Sarah Brennan's body was sent to the county coroner and they immediately kind of began to they actually assembled something I had never heard of so I had to look up they assembled a coroner jury to really make a decision on what happened to Sarah, given the state of her body. Oh, my God. Determining sure. exactly the cause of death can be, you know, difficult. Um, can you imagine being a coroner and getting that job? That case? No, thanks. I'd be like, I'm putting my two weeks in. Nope. Now I bake cakes. Yeah. <laughs> I don't do this anymore. This isn't for me. No. It's not going to work. I did not know what a coroner jury was. It turns out that a coroner jur- jury is actually a, an entire jury that's made up of medical professionals that can look at evidence and a body and the case specifics and come to a conclusion about like time of death, cause of death, things like that, so that one person 
it kind of helps alleviate like bias. I don't. Oh, it sounds I, like a fantastic I'm here idea. For it. Yeah, I, yeah, it actually does. Yep. And so good for you, 1908. I know. Like, do we still do that today? We should. No. And uh, we've covered a lot of cases where the coroner has been shady. Well, Scott. Yeah. For sure. Went well. So this, all of them, the jury, everybody, the coroner's jury would help with the autopsy and come to their own conclusion as to how the person had passed away. And so, again, just alleviating the hundred, the, the bias in it. I really love this. And sometimes the coroner's jury would go as far as to come to a verdict that not only listed how the person died, but who was responsible as well. So they had some power behind their group. Sure. Because it's a, it's a group of people. So they had access to all the evidence. They knew the facts in the case. So in this case, they found that Mary Farmer had struck Sarah Brennan on the head with an axe. This instantly killed Sarah and that she likely didn't feel much pain, which is, is good. I'm glad to know that. Also, I'm like, did you come to that conclusion? Because Mary did tell you that's what she did. <laughs> right? Or did you I'm just, just gonna, go with what Mary said? I'm going to throw that out there. Like, <laughs> I can see, you know, you were probably confirmed by a large Somebody. cut in her skull. But One of those jury got a, the coroner jury got a hold of Mary's ward and they're like, hey, change her report. Right, right, yeah. She exactly. hit her with an axe. She hit her, her with an axe. Uh, it turns out that the chandelier did not fall yeah, on her. Right. People Shattering her into it was It was an axe. Yeah, yeah for sure. <laughs> I mean, we don't know, but I just thought that was funny. So I'm like, literally it said she confessed. Right. So, good job. Good job, coroner's jury. Yeah, I have faith in you. And at this point in time, they hand that information over to the authorities, and they're like, you know what, are we going to indict the farmers for murder or not? Now, with this information, the county attorney indicted both James and Mary for the murder of Sarah Brennan. Both James and Mary. I mean, you know James wasn't over there all clueless. Well. Staring at. We're going to get to this. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Now. As with many of the cases at the time, Mary Farmer began very. Mary Farmer's case began very quickly. It's not like today where we have years and years of delay yeah, and all right. this stuff. I mean, it is June tenth, nineteen oh eight, and they got Mary They're Farmer. Like, we don't have a lot to do. Yeah, right. Let's it's nineteen oh eight. There is no TV. Right. So, Mary Farmer's defense, of course, is that she's insane. Because what kind of same delicate woman's going to cut up another woman? Even in 1908, they're going, they're playing uh-huh. that card. Mm-hmm. Okay. The state had her examined, and they're like, mm, nope, nice try. She's fit to stand trial. But that didn't stop them from bringing in a lot of people from people from Mary's past to talk about how the person that they knew Mary to be would never chop somebody up and put her in a trunk for a house. Like, I get it, That's not the Mary I know. That's not the Mary I know because she didn't do that to me. She never tried to take my house. I love the character witness things in this situation. I appreciate the the attempt. Because it's like the pastor's wife is like, she always came to church and prayed. I never saw her cut anyone up. I'm not mad about the effort that her attorney made. right, right. Johnny Depp trial. I mean, yeah, yeah. We see you, They're- Amber Heard's attorneys. We see you trying to grasp it, whatever you can get. Oh, grasp at that toilet paper. I know. Yes. No, I mean, I appreciate they they're trying. They really They're, trying. Did. They're like, here's some character witnesses. Can we get this insanity 
you know, defense going because clearly it seems like maybe she became a little insane. So, um, just, just a hair insane. Right. Just a little bit. (laughs) So they even had a former employer of Mary's testify. Uh, but it wasn't as helpful as they had assumed, uh, assumed because the only thing that this person could testify to was that she was an average person and that they really couldn't believe that she killed someone. But in, like that's what she, that's what they're supposed to say. Just like, you're a normal person, right? Instead, they're like, yeah, she was a super good employee. And that's all. <laughs> that's it. That's huh? all they had. The, good you, worker. You had one job. Like, the person I know would never kill someone. She's a good person. Instead, they're like, I hired her. She's a good employee. She's a good worker. They could not say for a fact whether or not they thought she was capable of killing someone. I respect this. I do, This person was not going to perch themselves on the stand. They're like, I don't know. She showed up for work. She did her job. She went home. I I got nothing. (laughs) I have no idea what she did in her free time. (laughs) <laughs> oh my goodness she literally they literally said on the stand i don't know her personally as an employee she was good <laughs> she, she i worked res- her shift i respect that yeah because i too would she not- was a pulse we were desperate right oh my god i like my coworkers, but half of them i have no idea what they do in right? their free time for all i know they're into foot porn i have no clue and you i mean after doing this podcast you never know what people are doing behind closed doors absolutely absolutely yeah. unless it's you and i because we text each other to an unhealthy oh, yeah. degree so we know what we're doing we but. literally have a play-by-play morning tonight of each other's lives we really do yeah i think it possibly annoys my husband but he doesn't say anything because he's too kind for that step aside matt <laughs> she's slowly uh. moving small things into the house actually <laughs> oh that's funny james uh sister testified this is this was crazy to me that she was given the deed to file with the county so like james sister was given by mary the deed like hey here's this deed to this house could you go file it with the county for me be a lamb and file it (laughs) oh be a doll go down to the clerk's office and turns out we're moving into this really nice house next door no big so deal. So he was like, whatever you say, dear. Do-do-do. No, this was James' sister. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. Okay. Hey, sis-in-law, can you do me a solid? Just file this So for she me. was just like, sure. Well, and she knew that it was Mary's signature on the form and not Sarah's when she looked at it. And she testified to that. Oh. She was honest on the stand. Okay. She did not say anything about it at the time, but on the day of the murder, when um, she said her brother James, so James Farmer, was actually helping her at her home, and that's when Mary came over and told James that he had to tell Patrick today that he was no longer the owner of his home and that his wife had left him. So the sister-in-law, this is James's sister, was on the stand testifying and was like, I'm the one that filed the deed with the county. I was asked to by Mary. I knew it was Mary's signature and not Sarah's. That's all I knew about it. And then on the day that Sarah died, you know, went missing, Mary came to my house because James was at my house helping me. And she said openly, today is the day that you are going to tell uh, Patrick that his wife has left him. So when you said, like, I'm with you that I do think that James knew at least Something. some of this plan. Yeah. Yeah. 
unless his wife really manipulated him into like ahead of time saying, hey, Sarah's planning to leave Brennan and she has decided to sell us the house underneath him. And so like when it happens, when she officially leaves, I'm going to tell you and you're going to have to be the one to tell Patrick. It, it could I could be. see that manipulation yeah, as well. It could be. Yep. So after 10 days of the trial, the jury, the case goes to the jury to deliberate. They spent only three hours and came back with a guilty verdict with death as the sentence. Dang. Yeah. Now, at this point in 1908, Mary Farmer was scheduled to be the second woman to be put to death by an electric chair in the state of New York. Wow. Yeah. Oh, electric chair, too. Oh. Oh, there's details. Oh. We're going to get to it, and I'm oh, sorry. Oh, so they, it actually go, she gets a, the chair. <laughs> She does, oh. but there's details. I'll trigger, I'll trigger, trigger her. I'll trigger her. You're Thank alert you. before. <laughs> Thank you. I need my alert triggered. Uh, we uh, get there, but oh, I do. Oh, uh, that something about that electric chair just gets me. It's from the Green Mile. It That's is why. absolutely mm-hmm. a tr- hands down trauma from 100%. from the the scene without the sponge. Mm-hmm. I can't even think about it. Now, the trial for James Farmer was not the same as it was for Mary, okay? Because Mary had confessed, like, yes, I did this. James was like, I didn't know anything. I didn't know anything about the murder. Murder. He did believe that his wife had done it, but he stayed, stayed firm that he had no hand in it, okay? So he was like, I'm not going to try to claim insanity at all because I didn't have anything to do with this. Like, I didn't know I wasn't present when she was murdered. I didn't know that she was being murdered. And on the day of the murder, um, he not only was with his sister, but he was also at a friend's house who lived, like, on the other side of them. Okay, so not the um, Brennan side, but on the other side of their house. And um, his name was Duran, so Mr. Duran's house. And they were actually like had plans to work on a cement walkway that morning in front of their house. Duran even testified that James arrived 20 minutes before 9 a.m. And the coroner's jury determined that Sarah was murdered around 930 in the morning. So with Duran testifying that I'm sorry, it's spelled two different ways. Um, It's either Dorian or Duran. Um, I, I meant to make note of that in a minute earlier. In some of the articles that I read, it said Dorian. In others, it said Duran. So, gotcha. you know, it's 1908. They probably aren't offended. Right, right. I just wanted to give all the information. Obviously, Duran is testifying that, like, I don't think he had anything to do with the murder because I was literally with him. But the state, however, brought witnesses forward that directly contradicted Duran's statements. Several witnesses claimed that they saw James return home several times that day. So he's like in and out. Now, remember, Duran just lives on the other side of their house. Like, they're neighbors, too. So he very well could have went in and out of his house all day long. And they also questioned how James could not have known that something was going on. Even if Mary had come up with a reasonable excuse on how she got the money to buy the home, how did he not think it odd that Mary, that um, Sarah would up and leave a 25-year-old marriage all of a sudden. I question that, too. I mean, I guess anything's possible if she wore the pants in the relationship. Listen, she's sucking the dick in the relationship. Yeah. He's not I questioning mean, if she's, anything. If she's g- giving good 
BJ's. Maybe mm-hmm. he's just like, whatever you want. Whatever you want. Take it. I'll, yep. Okay, fine. Yep. I, I agree. It's anal night. All right. I'll right. tell her. Whatever. That, I'm not even listening anymore. I have <laughs> I'll no tell idea. him that she left. Whatever you want. Who's Sarah and Bre- Patrick? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I agree. I don't know. But it's, it is far-fetched to believe that he know, knew nothing. Yeah. But, but at the same token, I I imagine that Mary could be very manipulative. Yeah, maybe he just blocked out everything she said to get through those years of marriage. I don't know. <laughs> very, I don't know. Been there. Yeah. No, like <laughs> just, just blocks it out and says, okay, whatever okay. you want. For sure. Maybe. Very possible. Maybe. So the jury does receive the case for deliberation again for only three hours. And after three hours, they found James guilty of murder, and he was also given the death sentence. Wow. Yeah. Now, Mary immediately appealed her case, and she asked the governor to step in and reduce her sentence to life in prison. Dang. She played the very, like, the very, I would only be the second woman. I'm I'm just a little dainty woman. Like, how could you electrocute a woman? All of that sort of thing. But each time, the governor was like, no. You asked someone for sure for you, their house. Yeah, chopped somebody up for the deed to their house. Sorry, they had to actually build her a special cell on death row, which I've said that before. There's yes, another you state. Have. I think it was California that had to. They didn't have a death row for women. Yeah, and so they had to didn't, build one. Didn't they have to build Dirk a cell too? Yeah, Dirk got a cage. Dirk. Oh, Dirk. oh, Dirk! Oh, Dirk! That picture of him in distress. <sighs> mm-hmm. If you're new here at Crime Curious, uh, Advocate Barbie. Yep, listen to that case. So she had to be um, out of ear and eye shot of the male prisoners that were on death row as well. And she actually had special female staff that were assigned to her, which I appreciate, actually. Yeah, yeah. Now, James was housed in a separate part of the prison. They weren't allowed to talk to one, one another. Mary's execution date was set for March 29th, 1909. So it's actually like almost an entire year later after she was found guilty. Wow. You don't hear of that. No, I mean, now it's uh, how long has Scott Peterson been on death row before he was, you know, changed to life in prison in 2020? Yeah. I mean, it was like 18 years or some shit like that. So, no, this was less than a year and they have her execution date. Um, even with her appeals, you know, I mean, obviously that set it back a bit too because of all the appeals, but, um, her attorney had actually made like a special meeting with the governor to reassess the case and give her life in prison in, uh, as like instead. But when he arrived at the meeting and, and he brought several people who knew that Mrs. Farmer quote was a good person and they all tried to convince the governor, like give her life in prison and the governor actually was like, mm, I'll think about it. <laughs> I Literally, love it. This is right I'll before. I'll consider it. Yep, right before March 29th. But as the day grew near, he's like, you know what? I thought about it. And nope. <laughs> you know what? I had a bad day. Yeah. And my answer is no. No. His wife probably really pissed him off that day. Right. So he was like, you know what? Mary you know what? Farmer? I'm tired of you guys. No. No. The answer is no. No, she's going to be executed. So, on the day, on May, March 29th, the day of the execution, she was allowed, Mary was allowed to spend some time with James. Um, they had a priest that actually, like, 
attended their meeting with them. I, it wasn't like a conjugal visit. It was just a. Oh, that's where my mind went. I know it was. No, it was just a not not more one more slam bam. Thank you, ma'am. No, it, a priest was there. They were saying their goodbyes, and the priest actually had said that at first they were a little standoffish, but then they were able to talk to one another, say their proper goodbyes. And it was there that Mary Farmer gave the priest a note, which was a full confession of the crime for the first time, taking full responsibility for it. Oh, wow. She had admitted to murdering before. She had even said that she um, had hit her, you know, with the, had, had, had hit Sarah with an axe and whatnot, right? But... Up until that point, she had never completely taken full accountability and excluded James until that note. It looked bad the whole time that, like, she's confessing and James wasn't. Right. Essentially, yeah. When Mary Farmer walked to the death chamber, she had had her head shaved. Oh. Electric chair. Yeah. Mm -hmm. She had to give her last words to the crowd and... um. Her last thoughts to her husband and how it made her, what she said was that it makes her really sad to see him on death row as well because he had nothing to do with the murder and that it was entirely her. Wow. And that's what she said right before she was sent to the electric chair. They began a trigger, trigger. I'm having a hard time with the word trigger. I want to call it a triggle. Yes. I I don't hate it. It's okay. Trigger alert to... Some details. Oh, yeah, I'm all, I'm already triggered. You're cringing over yeah, there. I, I hate I hate electric chair. Your talk. sphincter is so tight right oh, now. I can <laughs> see it in your eyes. You couldn't even slip a pin through Mm-mm. it right now. Hell no. I wouldn't even try. No, no. <laughs> oh. So they they sat her in the chair. They began strapping her down and attaching the electrodes. And this is what was just terrible. At 6:05 p.m., they flipped the switch for one minute which at that point in time was about 1,840 volts of electricity. When they stopped, Mary let out a small whimper and a moan. No. She was still alive. Oh, I I was going to say, I don't trust 1908 electricity. No. I do not trust it. No. Ew. Yeah. Can you imagine having to do it to, like... Be the person to flip the switch? No. No, I, I couldn't live with that. No. So then they... Flipped the switch again and began to electrocute her again for a few seconds. And then they stopped. And she was still alive. Oh, God. No. Yes. So for a third time, they had to flip the switch to electrocute her. And after this time, she was gone. Oh, that's awful. This is why you don't chop people up and put them into trunks no, because for karma their house. will get you. Can you imagine being the crew? They're I like, f- I don't know, just turn it on turn again. Turn it on again for a few. I mean, they're trying. They're clearly not trying to be excessive. They did it for one minute the first time, thinking that it would get the job done. Then only a few seconds the second time, still thinking. You know what I mean? Like right. They didn't turn it on for a full another minute. They're trying not to be excessive. That's what that what I read into with it. Like they're just really trying to. Get it, get it done and over with and, yeah. and had to do it a third time. And so I do feel bad for I do for those too. People. That would be horrible. And like, this is why you don't chop up an innocent woman and put her in a trunk. Right. I mean, truly. Oh my gosh. at least for Sarah, the strike that hit her in the head, she was gone instantly. Thankfully. Yes. 
After the uh, execution, the prison doctor told the crowd that Mary was gone. They actually, like the crowd, didn't believe it at first because of what they had just witnessed. I bet that was so traumatizing. Yeah, they were probably like, fool me once. Right. <laughs> Shame on you. For sure. For sure. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, and they knew she was still alive because she was moaning after they shut the damn thing off. Oh, I cannot imagine. No. No. Now, remember, James is on death row. Okay. So he's down there. The uh, Like you said, 1908 electricity. He knew the moment. And then the second moment. And then the third moment that his wife Did was being Did the lights elect- just like yes. go, oh, God, no, stop it. Yes. So he knew the exact moment that she was being that just gives me like shudders. Yes. I honestly, like if legitimately James was just like whatever she says, I actually feel bad for him. Right. That he had no idea what he was doing and then hit, like mm-hmm. went through all of this. Just to have to sit there on death row if you legitimately didn't know anything, but then to also just know because the lights in your cell flicker for one minute. Yeah. Then wait, it's, you know, like two minutes later, they flicker again. And then it's whatever, two minutes later, and they flicker again. How horrible. That would be awful. And you said, like, they had a happy marriage, right? Yes. So like, he yeah, loved they, her. Yes, yes. They were not in a tumultuous relationship at all. And the thing is, is that everyone knew that Mary was a killer. But her last words in that note that she wrote and gave to the police, the priest, excuse me, actually worked. And James was able to successfully appeal his sentence and was awarded a new trial. And at the new trial, things were different and they were able to use the confession, the full accountability confession of Mary as proof that James had nothing to do with the actual murder, coupled with the testimony of both his neighbor that he was helping that morning and his sister that testified that she he was helping her as well that day and she literally came and was like this is the day you're gonna tell Patrick that you know wow no wonder um, he was staring he was probably like I don't know how to approach this I'm confused myself right like how do you go in how do you not know your wife has left you and you can't get into the house that now belongs right. to me right clearly she didn't <laughs> fill you in on the 411 so i guess i'm gonna have to go do it he was probably so confused himself he was probably like all right James, maybe yeah you got this you can do this right right come on james Just walk over there Grow a pair yeah let him descend you got this <laughs> as the man oh is putting gosh. a ladder up to his house and you have to tell him your wife left you, and now I own your home. Right. Yeah. Wow. So the jury did um, take the new evidence very seriously, and they found him not guilty of Sarah's murder, which I don't believe that he's guilty of Sarah's murder. I don't know. I don't think he had any hand in it. Oh, sorry about that. Oh, wow, way to go. Butterfingers over <laughs> here. Yeah, I don't, I don't think that he necessarily had a hand in in actually chopping her up and murdering her, although that does take brute, brute strength. It I does. don't know. I don't know, Amber. And I'm look, not sure. Mary must have been a savage. But at the same time, she did take full accountability. And was I just it out of know. love or was it true? I don't know. I, I don't know. I'd have a hard time even loving someone taking full responsibility for something that I didn't do by myself. But that's just me. I mean, maybe Mary was a better wife than I am. <laughs> yeah it's so hard to say like I do I do find it hard to believe he was that clueless but 
But men Maybe are dumb. No, I'm just they, kidding. They, no, humans. Know. Humans are dumb. That's their... They can be manipulated so very may, easy. Yeah, so maybe I don't know. Maybe I don't know. But what it, a crazy it worked. Story and he though. wasn't guilty, and he just had to move on with life without with his wife being the second woman to be electrocuted in the state of New York. Wow, we've had a lot of stories that show what greed does. Yeah, and it just sounds badly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's why I just don't. Don't know shit about fuck and don't own anything. <laughs> exactly. You know? Don't care about your material possessions, I don't. people. I, yes, it'll get you. Are you ready for a brain bath? Oh, now I am that we so have, ready. We have done that. I'm going to give you the personal brain bath from our Patreon. You might have read it from one of our Patreons. She said it's okay to use her name, but said, ju- but said just so you know, it's pronounced Nika. Oh, I, yes, I did see that. So I'm fine if you want to call me Puma or Swoosh or whatever, because her name to us is, is Nike. Yeah, it's spelled Nike. It's spelled Nike. That's how we'd pronounce, you know, we would pronounce it. And she knew that because she listens to us butcher people's names. Oh, yeah, we're horrible. All the time. We're I horrible. own it. I own it. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, it's Nika. That's a beautiful. So beautiful. Pronunciation, though. And she is a fantastic writer because... She wrote us personally her brain bath story. I love, I love that she took the time to do this. Me too. So I'm going to just read it word for word from her. Please do. She writes, okay, so I have a possibly brain bath worthy story to share. Oh, it's definitely worthy. (laughs) Most definitely. She said, I have quirks. I like to think of them as rainbow sprinkles on my personality Sunday. But most (laughs) people in my life refer to me, I think loving. As the dumbest smart person they've ever known. Aww. I love it. I'm book smart, but my logic and reasoning skills probably require me to a higher level of adult supervision than I'm afforded. <laughs> same girl, same. Right. Anyway, one of my quirks is my ability to lay out an outfit the night before. And let's let's be honest. If night before me is the responsible person just killing it at adulting, Morning me is a toddler on a sugar high in a room full of puppies. Adorably dysfunctional. Same. (laughs) Such a hard same. Without fail, change my mind in the morning and scramble to assemble something. I work in finance for a local municipality. But at the peak of COVID, I was often volunteered for shifts working at our vaccination clinic because, you know, accountants are just known for our bubbly personalities and extroverted nature. (laughs) For the next part of the story, I'd like to use the excuse that the outfit laid out the night before was just too formal for a shift at the clinic. But as I've admitted, that level of my responsibility is just a lie. I envision the exact outfit I want to put on, and I go about my normal makeup routine. After about an hour of slathering on products with the grace of a blind goat, a few (laughs) tears, and a pep talk that could rival any halftime locker room motivation... I head to my closet to get dressed in this outfit I envisioned, except dot, dot, dot. The jeans I wanted to wear were nowhere to be found. Now, this is where a normal person would just select a different pair of jeans and move on with their life. But The vision was there. The vision was there. So she's like, but not I. After some hunting, I discover my jeans, my pair of jeans in the washer, slopping wet. I think surely the five minutes I have before I need to leave is enough time to throw them in the dryer and have them envelop me in their dry warmth as I head out the door. 
Unfortunately, no amount of willing them to dryness was effective because as I pulled them out of the dryer five minutes later, they were still damp, and by damp, I mean they were still dripping. As we have established, I have zero common sense. So I decided, damn it, I'm wearing, I'm going to wear them. (laughs) I'll just turn the heat on full blast during my hour commute, and that will dry them. Okay, all right. Fool proof plan in place. I leave in my wet jeans feeling as proud as a peacock as I leave my trail of droplets walking to my car. The trail of droplets would be symbolic representation of the tears I would shed later. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. Me too. I love the way she writes. Turning your car into a sauna sounds far more pleasant in theory. An hour of borderline heat stroke later, I pull into the parking spot feeling proud that my jeans are now acceptably dry. Then a horrifying thought crossed my mind. They do temperature checks at the door. At this point, I've heated my core to slightly below liquid lava. So again, I come up with a solution. (laughs) I'm going to turn on the air conditioning full blast. And because I'm short on time, I'll just place my forehead directly against the vent. After a minute or two, pride restored, I exit the car only to be brought right back down to reality. My jeans were dry and the spots exposed to air. The parts that were not are still very wet, resulting in a pattern of wet dry that resembles chaps. Oh, (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. My crotch and butt were still very wet. Spirit broken, I trudge on. Walk of shame complete, I figure things can only go up from here. Then the nurse tells me that my temperature is 102. (laughs) (laughs) Full blast will do that Mm -hmm. with the heat. Absolutely. I can only describe as being (laughs) this. Oh, this girl gets us so well. (laughs) I can only describe this as being a code 2319. The scare in Monsters, Inc., where sirens blaze, everyone panics, and a monster is shaved bare. Do you remember that scene? (laughs) Yes, I do. I refer to that with my kids all the time. I love it. Oh, my gosh. My face went red. I started to sweat, and I went into a full-blown panic, which unfortunately did not help my situation. I tried to explain what happened. To no avail. A week of quarantine and five negative COVID tests later, I was allowed to return to work. Oh, my gosh. Of course. They were like, it's right. the Rona. It's, it's right in the middle. This was in 2020. Yeah. yeah it's right in the middle. Sound of the alarms. Ego bruised. Nasal cavities rubbed raw. I was able to. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. For sure. I was able to avoid being shaved bare or put into a mental facility, but I didn't er- did earn the nickname Chaps. I'd like to say I learned a life lesson, but the truth is I'm just basically a dumpster fire of a human full of questionable choices disguised as rainbow sprinkles. Oh, we we hear you. We feel you. Dumpster fire right here. We are in the cupcake container together. Oh, we're all sprinkles. Absolutely. That was the best. I loved it. She writes so well. And I can just picture I responded to her and was like. Full disclosure, Amber and I would completely try to pull this off as well. And it would <laughs> oh, go yeah. exactly like that. Absolutely. I, mean, I just, actually, I have a bathroom uh, 
brain bath personal one that I'm going going to be sharing soon. It hit me. Perfect. You know, these things come to me. They do. And and that trauma popped into my head the other day. I'm like, oh my God, bathroom work story. That's the next one. <laughs> There's my next brain <laughs> There bath. it is. <laughs> oh, shit. I love that. But I, I told her, I said, boy, I really hope that... Uh, you had a nice, relaxing five days after all that, at least. Right. Five days of quarantine that you didn't need because you personally heated your, yourself up. <laughs> Gosh. Oh, yeah. So Gosh, thank I should you, have thought of that. Thank you so much for sending that. If you guys have, you know, funny stories like that, oh, send them to us. please do. Crimecurious yes. at yahoo.com uh, or over any of the messengers on our socials. We're here. We will read them and we'll use your name or not, depending on what you tell us. Exactly. So, and I'm so glad that she told us how to pronounce her name because I think we shouted her out before even and it mispronounced it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's exactly how it's spelled. So her that's name awesome. is said way better than most definitely. It's way better. Leave it to us to well, butcher Nike. it. I know. <laughs> us michiganders always yes. butchering the english language <laughs> we've butchered so many things so much i know all right well thank you all for listening we hope you keep it curious and keep coming back and until next time bye bye